0: to primal screen a show and podcast all about screen culture from movies on the big screen to whatever you're streaming we're broadcasting tonight from the triple r studios on the stolen lands of the kulin nation this is and always will be aboriginal land big thanks to fee i should say award-winning fee obe winning fee Who, along with Denise Highlands and we um, were awarded Order of Australia medals just recently. Um, so thank you, Fee, for taking us through for another three hours of maps. I'm your host, Flick Ford, and I'm joined in the studio tonight by two of the many reviewers that make up the wonderfully witty and film literate Primal Screen oh. team. It's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion advisor at Acme, Vaishnavi Vajram. Hello, Flick. How are you? I'm <laughs> um, good, Vaish. It's been a while. It has been a while, but glad. Like, to be back in one of the first early shows
1: of primal screen for this year
0: yes number two and we did listeners would have heard vice on air uh, last week with your your favorite film of the summer so far which is Saltburn. um yes yeah. so um look I know it's a very
1: controversial choice <laughs> for a lot of people <laughs> and you know rightfully so a lot of people feel it's quite derivative but I actually kind of enjoyed it for what it was I think it like there's something about the feeling of the silly season and wanting to to let go of all kind of seriousness that I was like this is just the perfect movie to watch to match that sentiment.
0: <laughs> I love it, and it's kind of it would fit in well with the Christmas film because I think it ta- technically is a Christmas film. Maybe not. I feel like this is a um, bigger argument than Die yeah. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, and seasoned critic and festival programmer Thomas Caldwell. Hey, Thomas.
2: Hey, thanks for having me again.
0: My pleasure. And again, listeners would have heard you on the air last week with your pick, which was the beautiful uh, All of Us Strangers. No, All of Us Strangers. It All was All of Us wasn't Strangers. Yeah. 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 Gee, um, what a well, film! What a mm-hmm. film.
2: I should also say. I this summer, for the very first time, I watched Carl Reiner and Steve Martin's The Jerk. So that was another oh, highlight of my summer period.
0: <laughs> I actually listened to, I can't remember the name of it now, but Steve Martin's got a wonderful memoir that I listened to over my summer, which wasn't very filmy. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, they, they end up talking a lot about art and his amazing art collection.
2: I love Steve Martin. Uh, me in, too. in all his guises. Yeah. yeah,
0: I feel like we should do a special on him sometime. But for tonight's show, we're not going to be talking about Steve Martin. We're going to be talking about... <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Well, I throw that in. I don't know why. It's a red herring. Uh, but on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about a new release. Uh, actually, two new releases: one film and one streaming TV series. First up, Todd Haynes' uh, Todd Haynes' film. May, December, which a few listeners possibly caught at Myth last year, um, and I think it must have played at a few other festivals, maybe. I, that's the one that I first heard of it, um, but it is now in cinemas. Uh, it's
2: It's been released everywhere else months and months ago. It's, it's so strange, one of these isn't annoying it? ones that, for whatever reason, that the distributor here sat on it until now. Yeah, so, it's yeah. very
0: odd, and it, it's a shame with those kind of delayed re- responses, because it means that you're not really part of the conversation when that's happening or you hear things Then by the time it gets to Australian screens. Anyhow, we won't harp on about that. <laughs> um, and the second review of tonight is a new prime video TV series, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And if that name sounds familiar, yes, it is based on the 2005 film with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, but this time it stars uh, Donald Glover and oh, Maya Erskine. Thank you. Maya Erskine, the wonderful Maya Erskine. And we'll get into, um, all of that later on. I do want to flag that for tonight's discussion, um, of May, December, that we will be talking about child sexual abuse. And I will, of course, let you know when we're about to start that discussion and when you can tune back in, if you'd prefer not to hear any of that. There is of course a whole, uh, lot of support services and resources that are available to listeners, uh, perhaps most notably Bravehearts, um, you can head to bravehearts.org.au. You can call them also on 1 800 272 831. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R.
2: You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform.
0: You are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Vaishnav Jekumar, Thomas Caldwell, and myself, Flick Ford. Uh, and the track you just heard was, of course, the beautiful Michelle Legrand with the main title song from The Go Between, which is a 1971 film. And that score basically gets repeated in the film we're about to discuss, Todd Haynes's May December. But before we get into that, I really want to do a deep dive into Todd Haynes as an auteur. He really is this fascinating auteur. A very early short film of his used Barbie dolls to tell the rather sad story of drummer Karen Carpenter. Uh, it later turned into a complete cult hit. Um, his debut feature Poison was about it was this transgressive queer triptych which featured this medley of different styles. It was actually partially funded by a government grant. And so the film did come out kind of under fire by a whole bunch of conservatives for its explicit material. In 1995, we, of course, have Safe, um, which is his second feature film. It stars Julianne Moore as Carol, a housewife who develops a series of extreme allergic reactions. The film is often read as an analogy of the AIDS crisis Uh, It's one of, I think, my favourite Todd Haynes film.
2: I think it's great. It also works as a really um, way in advance critique of the wellness industry and the Mm. explorative nature of the wellness industry, which we've really seen go berserk over the last few years, especially those jumping on the kind of anti-vax and really extreme conspiracy theory bandwagon. Absolutely. Safe was sort of, yeah, decades ahead of its time. It got released in Australia like 10 years later. I remember it got a cinema release, yeah, in like the early 2000s, and I, I actually... Um, saw it on a date and the person (laughs) I saw it with hated it and I didn't break up with him on the spot but I knew that was the beginning of the end.
0: So uh, talking of weird weird, like choosing the wrong film I I saw this as like a it wasn't all gals, but uh, kind of like that sort of sleepover film sort of Oh, watch. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, luckily, we're all sickos who absolutely loved it and we're very into the bleak <laughs> sort of <laughs> gradual disintegration of, of, of Julianne Moore, who's just remarkable in it. Have you seen the film, Vaush? No, I haven't. Oh, check it out. 1995, safe. It's amazing. It's were terrific. you saying then it's 2005 it was, in Australia?
2: It, look, 10 years later. Yeah, I remember that, that, that was wild. part of the thing. It's sort of, here yeah, being released much later. Um and I think the first time Julian Moore collaborated with what I think that, think yeah, there? yeah, from my
0: record, yeah. And I think there's really lots of threads that follow through all of his work and he's got such a diverse filmography. But I think there's a lot in May, December, which we'll be discussing in a moment, that we can see in some of this earlier work. We've got The Velvet Goldmine in um, 1998 with Christian Bale, Ewan McGregor and Tony Collette. In the early 2000s, we see a kind of switch in his style. He moves into a more commercial, uh, critically acclaimed space. We have Far From Heaven in 2002.
2: That's one we, of my favourites.
0: Yeah, again with Julianne mm-hmm. Moore, inspired very much so by the work of um, Douglas, Douglas Sirk. Sirk yes. Yeah, famous <laughs> melodrama, of course. Um, then we have a real switch to I'm Not There in 2007, the biopic on Bob Dylan.
2: Probably my other favourite, actually. <laughs> That's, yeah.
0: You're a you're a Hainsey fan.
2: <laughs> Look, I, I don't think of myself as a huge Todd Haynes fan, but no. I do get excited when I hear about his films. Me and too. going through it like this, I realise, gee, I love most of these films.
0: And also so each of them have really had their own mark on cinema in a really different ways. Like I remember I'm Not There coming out, and one of the big selling points for me was the fact you've got six different actors playing Bob Dylan. You've got Richard Gere, Kate Blanchett, Marcus Carl Franklin, Heath Ledger, Ben Wishaw, and Christian Bale. That was my when, one of
1: my favorite parts of watching that film and watching these very different character actors take on this very iconic role of a very well known musician. And honestly, it was probably one of the first early roles where I really fell in love with um, Kate Blanchett and yeah. her ability to kind of transform They're into great. character. Mm. And I was just like, she is incredible.
0: Well, one of the one of the many threads going through Todd Haynes' work is this like gender reversal which he's very totally. into and we see and that queer coded yes. very queer coded. And, and questions yeah.
2: of identity. So yes. I'm not there sort of blew apart the notion of the biopic where he said this is a public persona Bob Dylan who has all mm. these different identities that he's had in popular culture throughout his career. So literally played by different actors in different stylistic settings and we get some of that in May December which is yet another film about identity and it's fluid nature and its um, duplicitous nature as well.
0: Absolutely. And we haven't, I mean, talking of queerness, we have Carol in 2015, again with Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara. Um, we, there's also a theme of music throughout his work. I mean, we started with Karen Carpenter, um, I'm Not There. Um, then he switches with uh, Wonderstruck in 2017. I actually haven't seen that. That's um, Julianne Moore again. Uh, Dark Waters, 2019 with Mark Ruffalo, which I really loved. I feel like not many people saw that or didn't like it. It's great. Yeah. I think, I think, it's, think it's fantastic. I think Slow it's burn. a very
2: conventional film by yeah. his standards, but still stylistically, it is a, it's, a, it's a more subtle film than his other stuff, mm. but it really creates these great mood of conspiracy thriller and it's but about a real life taking on a horrific corporation and you know awful um environmental um uh crimes yeah it's 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 this true story of this real life hero so
0: real change in pace though and yeah we have in 2021 he has his first documentary feature which is the velvet underground and then i think that takes us to may december this year yeah so here is a little clip of that now
2: I want to find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. Were they born or were they made? It's such a pleasure to meet you. You are so sweet. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for doing this. It's so generous. Oh, well, I want you to tell the story, right? Don't I? we are taller. You look taller on television, but we're basically the same size. Well, basically the same. Feels like things just settled down and now y'all are making a movie. It's a very complex and human story. I think it's hard to trust that you're gonna represent Gracie as she was. I'm gonna try that
0: was a clip of Todd Haynes' May, December which uh, is set 20 years after a notorious tabloid romance, I've got that in inverted commas, um, gripped a nation and where we see a young couple, a married couple, sorry, buckle under pressure when an actress played by the wonderful Natalie Portman arrives to do research for a film about their past. That's a very uh, (laughs) open plot. I, I feel like there may be a, it may be we're going to try not to get into any spoilers, but I do feel that um, it's sometimes a bit hard with this sort of material not to give anything away. Um, I did make a mention of that there will be a discussion about child sexual abuse uh tonight so i if you if you'd like to tune out we you can join us again when you hear another song which will be around the 7:40 mark we're hoping and yeah you can tune in for our review of Mr. and Mrs. Smith so this is recent release it's based on a screenplay by Sammy Butch and it's somewhat inspired by a real life story now vice you recall this story coming out um i i actually had to be reminded of this i so i went into May December not knowing any Thing which is how I like to approach my films. I had seen, of course, the trailers for it. Um, sorry, the um, posters for it during Myth, but I don't like to watch trailers, and I just went into it last ah, night without that. knowing anything. Yeah, because the film
2: does take a while to let you know what's going on. Yeah, I, I knew because there's been yeah. so much conversation for months about it. But there has. The film does, I yeah, yeah it, it's an interesting, info.
0: and I think it's a good way to watch it if you can. Um, just listen back to this episode after <laughs> yeah. you've seen it. I, a friend actually pointed out when we were driving home and he's like oh it kind of reminded me of that story from you know and when we unpacked we're like oh it, it is that story I think it was a it was a good way to see it because um it it's such a fascinating um I can't even begin he's such a fascinating character at the center so basically we have Julianne Moore playing uh, a woman who had a relationship um, with, uh, well, it's current, present day. So she had a, it's set in 2005, actually. Yeah, they're, um, they're now married. They're now married.
2: But not initially. But
0: the circumstances yeah. were that she um, abused this uh, 12-year-old boy.
2: 13 in the film. 13
0: in be. the film, 12 in the real life story, yes, right? Yes, yeah. Correct, yeah. Um, and ended up having a baby with him and then two other children. So th- in the film, sorry, three, three mm. children in the film. Um, sorry, I'm describing this in a very weird way. But, well, it's a
2: really uh, look, and, and that's part of the point of the film. It's a really difficult scenario to describe because it is abuse. What she did yes. was morally and legally uh, abusive. Yes.
1: Um, and I think the morality yeah. bit is the difficult thing to reconcile because mm. the way that it's painted and the way that it, like the the story that it's based on, was paint, uh, painted in the '90s was this kind of like romance kind of story. And there's an interesting kind of, um, I guess, portrayal of. Um, gender dynamics there and power dynamics there because if you were looking at gender you would often think in a societal sense in a patriarchal societal sense that the man is the person who's in the dominant kind of influence Mm. in that relationship but when you look at age um, there's this real question that I think Todd Haynes throws in the film in terms of who has the power in that relationship Mm. and I think that was what I found the most interesting about the film um, and particularly Charles Melton's character like Charles Melton the role that I knew him in before this was I think something in Riverdale. So yeah, to then go in from, Riverdale. <laughs> so to go from that to get a Golden Globe, a supporting mm. actor nom, and to be in a Todd Haynes film, like huge um, career trajectory for him. And I thought he was really outstanding in this role in terms of having a character who was trying to reconcile this dynamic that, that is seemingly painted as a like a, a, a marriage that has mm. kids and things like that. And, but yeah. That's, that,
2: that's kind of the idea, isn't yeah. it? That they're, mm. Because we hear about these awful stories of abuse and whether. They, they get treated like tabloid fodder or their crass jokes or, or, you know, various ways they're dismissed and diminished. But um, the story we don't get is what happens if they stay together and then live this facade of a normal life? Or maybe it's not a facade. Maybe it is a normal life. How do we reconcile the fact that they're both now legal? You know, they're legally married. Um, she's done her time in, in, in prison. Yeah, and these, these really, this is what art and film is so good about, challenging us to think about these really difficult, questions and you're right it's about there's a huge loss of power i mean i just got this sense the whole time that he had his childhood stolen from him that yes. he's still in development he's still yes, this very fragile yeah. vulnerable young man like and,
1: emotionally stunted almost yeah. by the experience and then kind of led by um, julianne moore's character into this relationship and into this kind of familial narrative and in that he kind of lost his sense of self lost his youth yes um
0: and he's we, come, yeah and, and we see that with the structure of this film how it plays out With that unveiling And I I think that That's why something Where I don't want to It's not like there's A plot twist You know Like I said It's loosely based On this real story
2: Mm. It's not plot driven It's character driven Isn't it No Precisely And
0: and you both touched upon The kind of immaturity Of um, Charles Melton's Character Joe Who is the 12 year old In this But we never actually See him as a 12 year old Instead we have This sort of stand in Almost His son Who looks so much like him It's remarkable Gabrielle Chung, who plays Charlie, who is about to graduate alongside his twin sister. I can't think of his twin sister's name in the film, but they they have this graduation that's going to bring the whole family together. And I think that mirroring of Joe and his son, Charlie, there's so much in that. And you think, I think that all the press around May, December seem to focus around, of course, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman. Now, Natalie Portman is the actress, Elizabeth, who has come to play Gracie in the film about her life. (laughs) It's so... Isn't it so curious? I think a lot of – I heard Todd Haynes in an interview where he was like, oh, all the gays think it's going to be this lesbian, you know, erotic drama. (laughs) They're disappointed they don't kiss. And it's such a strange – it's such strange marketing around it, but there's also such a strange conversation around this film because often it focuses on it being a comedy. And I think that really – I mean, like, not to dig into – Genre definitions, but like, I mean, it's pitch black comedy at best. I found satire. It,
2: I found a darkly comedic aspect of yes. yes. that, that very uncomfortable, like a, uh, almost like a, a Todd Solondz film in yes, a way. It,
0: exactly. I
2: mean, there's. I, I don't want similar s-
0: material as well.
2: Yeah, so. yeah, very similar. Sort <laughs> yeah. That, that, I mean, I'm glad cinema is kind of mature. I think we went through a weird puritanical skating on ice phase. I feel mm. like it's good to see a film like this in the cinema again that's taking on really challenging questions that aren't expected to make a ruling on it, you know. Mm. I, I'm a big fan of art being a mirror, not a pulpit. Yeah, And um, and I think this does throw up some provocative ideas and questions. The, the key scene for me, I don't want to, yeah, I'm going to be careful. So Natalie Portman, who's trying to adopt this woman's mannerisms and and, and um, to present her story, and we don't quite know what the motivation of anybody involved is mm. in this. But there's a the scene she speaks to young people at a school um, about acting and mm. and playing certain roles and I actually gasp out loud and covered one of the most shocking moments in the film was that moment for those Shit. of you who've seen it you'll probably know what I mean it, it, it's not a shock that you see coming.
0: Yes. Actually, something that... Um... I
2: also found it very funny, though, because I was like, I can't believe this is going down right now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Was there a scene... There was one
1: scene that I found quite comical. And I feel like I can't quite remember. Was it the hot dogs? <laughs> yeah, the hot
2: dogs,
1: <laughs> which just became like a memeable um, moment. But I think <laughs> I love what you were touching on in terms of Natalie Portman's character becoming Julianne's Moore, uh, Julianne Moore's character and preparing for that role in this biopic mm. that was about to come out. It's got and, a lot of Persona vibes to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Sona vibes, where it's almost like that idea of like you admire so someone so much that you almost become mm. them. But then there's all the almost this underlying attraction to them because you're trying to become them. Mm. And I feel like those two actresses dance that line so well yes. in their interaction. Like it, it is amazing. Like the the mirroring in terms of what mm. you were saying in terms of seeing
0: Natalie Portman adopt those characters and then Julianne. That Moore. was just off the cuff. Julianne Moore did not no know way. that was going to happen. Yeah, um, that was just Portman kind of riffing. Wow. It's it's an amazing performance. I mean, I think that the standout is Charles Melton, but Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore are fantastic to see on screen. And what really – something that – this film has gotten so under my skin, but something I've really reflected on is – you know, Gracie, Julianne Moore's character, is a predator and, you know, so much of Haynes's work features on the tabloidisation of trauma um, in different ways, you know, people's lives being used for, for fodder. And this is a film within a film. And Elizabeth, the actress, she's really fascinating. Not only is she mirroring Gracie in kind of the obvious way of physically marrying her to try to look like her. But her behaviour also, this idea of the white woman in a predatory role, is really interesting, especially when the nature of this this relationship, which is an abuse an abuse that happened to this this boy, is phrased in a way of people being like the whole town, there's a whole silence around it that's so fascinating where they don't talk about it. They talk about it as an affair. And that kind of language is just completely erases the abuse, and I just think that's so clever of Haynes to sort of tread this line between, you know, he's able to explore these these lines between performance and an absence, and the the score comes in. You know, we mentioned it before, Michelle Legrand, with the, with this kind of, you know, the the hot dog moment that you mentioned, it is coupled with this amazing score from a previous film that adds these melodrama notes. It it. it becomes comedic but it in, in the darkest way it almost becomes
1: a horror completely it's it has almost like the the, the soft tones of the film like aesthetically give it a soap opera mm. almost kind of vibe but then it's got this very like high-end um classical score and then it's like placed at these really like almost awkwardly funny moments mm. there's something about it because each of the characters take themselves so seriously when they deliver these lines but some of them the moments are so ridiculous you, you just can't help have like an Awkward, out loud laugh in the cinema, <laughs> which might provide a release because a well, lot of it
0: is very, comfortable. Yeah, very tense, yeah
2: very tense. Actually, I love the bit at the bar with the um, the, the, the young guy who um starts yelling. You know, the, he's the singer of that that group at the oh, bar. Oh yeah, and starts her, yelling son and, her son from the previous marriage, God, who yes. is absolutely broken and shattered and mm. destroyed by what has happened with his mother. But mm. he he he's defence mechanism is to be really um sarcastic and and funny and angry and over the top, and mm. it's really funny in the film mm. to watch, but it also constantly remind you this guy is shattered yes. and um, very, very broken. And I, th- I think all these contradictions between, you know, the, the tabloid nature and, and um, you know, the film constantly reminding us of its artifice with the music mm-hmm. and the soap opera feel but then drawing us into the realism of the scenario and, and, the, and the community not being too sure how to navigate what's mm-hmm. become normalised. But, look, I think this taps into the deeply uncomfortable, contradictory, very confused attitude. America in particular has to child sexual abuse mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. on the one hand, you've got states where it is legal for children to get married like a very you know quite young ages um and there is sort of this celebrity culture that was around figures like you know uh, jeffrey epstein and other mm-hmm. people that was sort of just we, for a long long time before me too it was just a joke mm-hmm. it was just something that happened on the other hand you've got the, this kind of QAnon insane conspiracy mm-hmm. theory that uses child sexual abuse kind of stories to create mm. this boogeyman. And, and these QAnon ideas have been around actually for decades. If you chart mm. these conspiracies, mm. the extreme right has always used this. But, but but all this kind of focus on things that don't exist completely ignore the reality of what child abuse in the family or is anyway. And it's an issue that is horribly underreported and not treated properly because it's often, yeah, turned into a, a boogeyman or a tabloid mm. story. And I think all these kinds contradictions are in this film
0: and, and we, we can't even begin to talk about the abortion rights in in America and and what you know children who are female children who are affected by that what mm. their options are I think that that's actually another part of this story that's so interesting where the power lies and th- something that is at play is gender very much this role reversal. If we had a male character as the predator, how this would read, how the relationship would read. If we had, uh, you know, it's it's worth mentioning that he is half Korean. The way in which whiteness is is kind of seen as this this the correct sexuality, sexual desire, and and something you know brown bodies are so often put in excess. And and kind of this exoticised and exoticised, yes. And we see this replica. There's so much in this film. (laughs) Like there's so much to unpack. I I, it's such a standout for me for this year. I I'm still processing it. It's it's deeply unsettling it is I think in the... in I wouldn't say comedy. I, I feel like people will get the wrong idea from this. But in its excess of melodrama and style, it's so uncomfortable. And something that stood out to me was the... You touched upon this before, Thomas, about this boy being frozen mm. by the abuse. There's also this really interesting temporal displacement that happens with the doubling of these two women. It also happens with the doubling of the children who are both at the graduation. These wonderful temporal punctures that occur throughout the film, it's so clever. Structurally, (laughs) I'm getting a bit nerdy, but
2: it's, it's a structurally smart film beautiful. Isn't
0: it? Yeah, yeah it really is and disturbing and clever and cinematic in in all its ways I really loved this film and that sounds strange to say for a film that upset me so much but <laughs> yeah I, I, I did love it
1: and I love the duality that you're talking about because you almost see it in the relationship between um Charles Melton's character and his son because it's yes. like Charles Melton's character is so emotionally um you know stunted in certain ways by this experience but then his son is this kind of mature assertive young man who's about to graduate and there's mm-hmm. this parallel of like what could have his life could have been had he been allowed yeah. to fully you know live his um, childhood mm-hmm. and even stylistically like I mean the original story was um, placed in the 90s in terms of the um, Mary Kay Letourneau um, narrative yeah. but then even this has a very retro soft feel to it in some ways as well
0: aesthetically so it's sometimes I think I that's I feel the nice. melodrama ang- I think there yeah. was a conscious decision I I feel as though and I I would have to double check you know whether this was even Haynes's um, intention intention, but the the soft focus on all of their faces all of that is a a nod to I think the telenovelas because it has that kind of energy to it so the way in which a lot of these stories of you know shocking you know teacher student which is the what the original case was was a teacher and a student in this it's um, two workers at a pet store so they change a lot of the facts of the original case but a lot of them would get played out I mean the original... The original story was there was an interview on Oprah which is wild that it just kind of because it's a female predator how differently it gets portrayed. You know um, I should mention that the victim, the real life victim, um, Vili Falou he, he's still alive Letourneau has died, but he's come out and said, why did no one from the film actually consult me? So that's something that's really interesting for the backstory of this, that Mm. um, there was no consultation. I think, I haven't heard of Haynes' official statement, but my understanding is he's actually not trying to make a film about this. This isn't a biopic. Mm. This is more about what we do with it, as we're like this audience who feast on this information. Yeah, not at
2: all. This film isn't the true story. No, No, it's not. It makes no pretense of being that. It
0: lends heavily, Mm which is you yeah. know comes into well, it taps you know, into,
2: it. and the, the, yeah. that, that wasn't the only case. I mean, there have mm. been these stories, and and I think the film is picking up on that, and um, and the yeah. trivialisation. Yes, um, I mean the fact that it's called May December, which is such a cute term. I never heard of that, actually until this no, film. No, no, no.
0: I? But it's, really it's, look it see. up. Yeah, yeah. The,
2: the, the, this cute term for age differences in relationships. May December and,
1: romances.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and again, I it no, trivialises I it. I
2: to, that well, this relationship <laughs> was child sexual abuse.
0: Yes. And, and it's just kind of, oh, look, there's so much to discuss in this film. <laughs> I'm worried we've already given a lot of spoilers away. but
2: I don't think I, we have. I, I think, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think the film's got such a particular tone and style yes. that it's going to be surprising to watch and delightful yeah. to, re, to re-watch.
1: Yes. And even um, thinking about the context of, you know, what they're talking about in terms of abuse in the um, movie, like if you look at the Australian context and, you know, people like Grace Tame who have. Really driven that yeah. narrative around um, abuse and child abuse. It's really interesting to see like that story contextualised within what the narrative, local narrative here is as well in terms mm. of yeah how people um, perceive those issues these days.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the discomfort that um, I felt watching it is exactly the point. May December is currently screening at major and independent cinemas. Uh, you're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rr.org.au to find out how. You are listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Thomas Caldwell, Vaishnavi Vijekama, and myself, Flick Ford. And the track you just heard was You Belong to Me by Patsy Klein. Uh, Thomas, you were madly looking up research on that song? Well of what course did you find? it is
2: in the series that we're about to discuss but I suddenly I I know the Bob Dylan version which appears on the soundtrack to Natural Born Killers there you and go. I used to listen to that constantly. <laughs> yeah. I think I like this version a lot more. It's
0: beautiful. Yeah. And yes as you said it does feature in the TV series that we're just about to talk about, uh, Mr and Mrs Smith. Now, actor, comedian, musician Donald Glover aka Childish Gambino started his uh screen career at 23. He's is the creator of Mister and Mrs. Smith, um, but he started yeah he started way back in uh, when he was 23 years old. He secured a spot. Uh, as a writer for the NBC's Thirty Rock, he then, of course, starred as Troy Barnes mm-hmm. in the comedy sitcom Community, which is where I think a lot of listeners will be familiar with him. But also outside of his music, um, you know, his Childish Gambino, um, and then he created, starred, and he also was occasionally directing the award-winning series Atlanta, which is my personal favourite. That is one of my just such a beautiful TV series. Have you you both watched it, or you yes. both? Yes, I've
2: seen the first two seasons. Mm. I really want to get back and watch the. God, Such so... a strange, unpredictable show, too. It really yeah.
0: is. And now we have Mr and Mrs Smith, which is currently playing on Amazon Prime.
2: <clears throat> so, um... What's your first time in New York?
0: Should we be asking each other that?
2: Have you ever killed anyone? <laughs> no, no, no. Not really. Really? No. Where do I begin?
1: Tell the story of how great love can be
2: We're married The sweet love story That is
0: older than I sea. I should be clear, I'm not in this for the romance About the love he brings to me What is it that you two do?
2: We're a computer uh, software We're engineers
0: so, Vaish, this was your pick for this week and I'm so glad that you got me onto it. Um, tell us about Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So, it uh, is based on the premise of the original 2005
1: film starring Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, but stars um, Donald Glover, um, as you mentioned, um, from Atlanta and you know, known as the musician Childish Gambino, but also um, Maya Erskine, who a lot of people would know from the comedy Pen15. Oh, of course! Uh, yeah! <laughs> But you wouldn't recognise her, I know oh, you yeah. wouldn't recognise her, because this is a completely different role for her, you know, in so Pen15, different. she's playing her adolescent version of herself, <laughs> where she is, she's a sophisticated, attractive, smart, witty assassin, um, very, two very polar opposite characters. Yes. Um, and one thing to note that distinguishes the film from the TV series is that in the film, um, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, they're a married couple who actually discover that they're both um, assassins working for competing assassin. Agencies, I guess that's what you call them. Um, whereas here, um, Donald Glover and um, Maya Erskine's character, John and Jane, um, one of the most generic names that you can you know get <laughs> for an assassin. Well, I guess when you assume another identity, you just have to choose something you generic. Stand
0: out more, John and Jane as a married couple,
1: you totally, married. <laughs> totally. But yeah, you're just like mm. they are actually recruited into the agency, and then they get married and pose as a couple who who are assassins. So it's a it's a slightly different twist on the premise. And I think the one thing that really stood out to me about this series is the tonal difference from, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the Hollywood yes. blockbuster film. But with um, Donald Glover's creative genius injected into this story, I mean, he was also, I think, a creator on Swarm, the series about, um, you know, obsessive fans. There's this kind of like dark but sexy sensibility about him and a really wry, dry wit. And he's- I just think he's just created a whole new version of what this original premise was.
0: I love, because I love, my first thought was, Wait, when, when, like, didn't this film come out ages ago? And why, why is this being returned to? But they just go so, so different to such a different place with it. You know, you mentioned before um, just the switch up of not just the setup itself but also just the different actors. Like it's so refreshing just to see this kind of almost dark, there's a darkness to it. There's a lot of um, it's properly action-filled. I don't remember, like I remember Mr and Mrs Smith, the original film. It's going to get hard to talk about these two. The original film, I remember being like kind of funny, sexy but not really having much depth to it. And, you know, it got a lot of buzz at the time because Jolie and Pitt had just started dating. Is that right? Or there was Yeah, that was the
2: biggest selling point. Yeah, Yeah.
0: so it kind of like got carried away Mm. with that and it's sort of displaced. I am a massive fan of Glover, so as soon as you mentioned this, I was like, yes, cannot wait. He is the writer alongside Francesca Sloane. I understood, and correct me if I'm wrong, Vaish, I thought that Phoebe Waller-Bridge was initially Mm -hmm. tied with this. So what happened there? Do you know anything about this?
2: Creative difference. Yes, Yes. PR term
1: a difference?
0: <laughs> and I guess, look. To be
1: honest, I mean, you look at Donald Glover, you look at Phoebe Waller-Bridge. These are two people who are powerhouses in their own right on camera and behind the camera and have run their own shows i think it's quite natural to pres- presume there would be creative difference there mm. because they would both want to take the show in a certain way i mean they, they both have a very similar approach in terms of that interesting humor injected
0: into like sometimes quite like serious themes um and for yeah. the listeners i think we should mention i mean you might already be familiar with the name of phoebe Waller-Bridge. she is of course the star and writer um of fleabag which was started as a play and is now an award-winning tv series um, I actually just really love Killing Eve. She wrote and that, Killing Eve, of has
2: course. sort yeah. of in a similar vibe to Very this. Very similar, and yeah. we
0: would have seen her also in Indiana Jones. My slight criticism is that I feel like Phoebe Waller-Bridge is always playing Phoebe Waller-Bridge, where, like you mentioned, the the different roles that Maya Erskine has played and just her fluidity. I think she's perfect. I can't even imagine Phoebe Waller-Bridge in, this, in this role. I think watch what. Sh- what Erskine Brings is, is so much more. Um, I just find her really fascinating and she's got a darkness. I love the pairing of these opposites. You know, she's so closed off and Glover's character, um, John, is, is so kind of, um, I don't know, there's a vulnerability to him that's quite sweet. I really like their chemistry on screen.
2: I um yeah, I'd never seen the original film and, and this show really wasn't on my radar at all because I, I try to watch shows that are like two or three years old so I know whether I should bother investing in them <laughs> or not. I the
0: same, Thomas. <laughs>
2: and I, I was only able to watch one episode of this simply because of time reasons, but I'm totally in. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the rest a lot and I think a lot of it is Donald and, er, and um, uh, Erskine. Erskine, yeah. I don't know her at all. Um, I, I know, you know, obviously um, Donald her through all the things we've spoken about, but they have crazy chemistry and yes. just in that that's
1: incredible. First
2: episode alone, it is. It's sexy. There, there, there's something about um, the way they look at each other and the body language. I think the scene that the first episode that nailed it for me is when they're on a stakeout in um, a, a cafe. And so, yes. one there's the tension about what is a job. Are they are they going to you know, keep paying attention to this this mark? And then there's the tension of you can see them trying to size each other up and test each other as romantic mm. boundaries. And it's really tense and exciting. And the final thing I loved about it was he orders a green tea, she orders a coffee and the waiter comes and gives them the wrong drinks and they have to do this reverse (laughs) thing. And it taps into what I felt the the story was already playing with was there is a bit of a a sort of gender flip, a little bit going on there. He's the one who's smitten, who's walking around half naked all the time to get her attention. She's the more closed off aloof one. And even in their their
0: styling as well, she's wearing that wonderful suit jacket pants combo. Some Um, of the gender coding has been swapped around
2: in a way that's really fun and playful and it's so intriguing
0: and the number of times i've seen my long black being given to whatever you know male friend or, or partner that was such a good observation at- at yeah. <laughs> me, i hard relate on that yep. one yeah I, I think there's so much in this and and also we can't not talk about race Like Mm. the casting is amazing in the sense, like this is why it's a great refresh because it's able to tap into something more. Like, you know, this idea of them being this kind of like the normal couple, you know, there's most, you know, America's kind of like most, you know, unassuming couple. And I just love that they use that as a setup to then explore these really rich backgrounds, but also this sense of family and family duty that comes through as well. Totally. It's like you're trying to do this kind of confidential and very
1: um, inconsistent with job but then it's like well you know i've got to take care of my mum, yeah. kind of thing so it almost like humanizes these characters a bit and you know what like what you were kind of speaking about before like i feel like donald glover is so good at tapping into soft sexy masculinity mm. like even his character in you know magic, magic mike, mike, for example <laughs> that, you knew the that second, reference the was second magic
2: mike film <laughs> oh my scene god where he just did the smooth ballad down the steps
1: oh my god it was incredible <laughs> because i feel like it really brought together his acting career and in his music career and yeah. all the sex appeal that both of those have together <laughs> into one role and I feel like you see a little bit of that here as he tries to kind of be quite coy and kind of seduce Maya Erskine's character little by little and, and, and I just think he just he just dances that line so well he, he
2: embodies a bit like poor Mescal in um yes. normal people he embodies this new emerging masculinity which is so much more just informed this kind of um this sort of very safe and vulnerable. Very sexual but non-threatening masculinity, mm, which yes. is just so enticing. I think for men and women, it's such a relief, and yeah. it's exciting and pleasurable to watch without the grossness
0: and fascinating to put that into the action film or TV yes. series genre, which we, yes. t- we typically see these kind of hard men in these roles. Like there's a, fam- you know, there's so many different variations of what that looks like, depending on the decade. You had these kind of like steroided bodies, then you've kind of gone back to that actually with the whole Marvel universe. Anyway, that's another topic. But it's really interesting to see how masculinity plays out in action films. And in this kind of small – in a TV series, you're able to explore so much more and have so much more fluidity. And, I, I mean, I, I really love both of their characters and I love that there's this interplay there because that's what makes it really interesting. Totally. And, and I, it, the action scenes are good, I should say.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> the action scenes, good. just in the first episode, the number yeah. of action scenes, I actually wasn't expecting it because they're kind of like, you know, really it's, – it's Really slow build-up in the episode to actually get to those pinnacle action scenes and like in some ways like you never would have pictured those two characters as action
0: characters but they're both incredible they're really um, good and roles. it yeah. just feels
2: right doesn't it it, it feels they, they're so, they're right. so good it's such good casting here yeah. and, yes.
0: and there's also both of them um both of them when their their face is just resting there's a seriousness and an earnestness to it which allows for this depth of character that's communicated because so much of their past, they, they kind of like don't know anything about each other. It's got very much like dating, <laughs> dating vibes to it. Yeah. But it's because it's you know they're they're secretive and there's this this card holding that happens. Um, and of course you know Jane is holding her cards a lot closer to her chest. But I just find that so intriguing because us as the audience are wanting to get prior information from them.
2: It's that classic erst thing as well. You know the unresolved sexual tension. Like yeah. They, they from that There's a bit of Bruce. Will and, and Sybil shepherd for Moonlighting for me. Yes. That kind of oh
0: my god yes.
2: Playful sexiness Yes. Um,
0: and, and they're also like colleagues so it's a bit of a, like a work <laughs> place romance going on.
2: Exactly um, I mean the other show it, it reminded me of was The Americans which
0: oh, yes. Yes. now
2: I only watched the first series of that and I am really bucking against the trend. I gave up. I wasn't a fan <gasps> oh and I gosh. much prefer this because it's so fun and playful I, and I, sexy. I'm
0: hooked on this fash. so I'm so glad yeah. Yeah. You brought it to our attention. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is currently streaming on Amazon. No. Yeah, Amazon yeah, Prime.
2: Is. I'm going to go home go. and watch it tonight.
0: Check it out. Been listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Vaishnavi Vijekumar, Thomas Caldwell, and myself, Flick Ford. On tonight's show, we opened with Todd Haynes' new release, May December, which has finally reached Australia after all that discussion. And we finished up the hour with the Amazon Prime TV series, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'm always torn with how to, to sort of talk about TV shows, whether you say the creator, you know, we're so used to putting director at the start of it. I'm never sure.
2: <laughs> With TV, yeah, showrunners or writers, show or yeah, yes. Yeah.
0: It does, of course, star the wonderful Don Glover and Maya Erskine. We highly recommend you check out uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith and also May December. I think it was just five stars all around, basically. But mm-hmm. both highly recommend. I actually think May December and then Mr. S- Mr. and Mrs. Smith is a great chaser. Yeah, uh, agreed. You need a bit of light. <laughs> <and lightness. Yeah. laughs> um, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. As always, you can listen back to tonight's episode on the Triple R website. RRR.org.au or subscribe to the Primal Screen podcast. Um, big thank you to Lou Lin for her producing support and to Kelsey Pettifer for doing all of our socials. Vaish, Thomas, uh, thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks for having us on.
2: Thanks, it's been great.
0: It's good night from us, but stay tuned because Jace Moore is up next with Local andor General. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R.